on this show, the vowels are always free. As long as you also get five consonants as well. Welcome to Game Shows, I suppose. everybody and welcome to the niche podcast about the one thing that i know something about game shows i suppose i'm your host jordan haas this is the very lovely countdown episode before we talk about carol volderman getting the same kind of creepy stalkers of the game show fandom as vanna white does here in the states we gotta talk about the 110 part series exploring every pricing game from the price is right this is the pricing game spotlight Gas money. Gas money is played for a car and $10,000 in cash. Oh, yeah, we're doing that. And in a first for the pricing game spotlight, this is the very first game ever debuting under Drew Carey's tenure. And it debuted September 22nd, 2008, for 431K. Gas money is played for a car $10,000 in cash. The contestant is shown five cards with different prices on them. The card displaying the correct price in the car has a pink slip on its reverse side. Each of the other cards has a cash value on reverse. $1,000, $2,000, and $4,000. The distribution of the money values has no relation to which price is on the card. It's all been randomized before the show. Contestant picks a card they believe is not, repeat, not the price of the car. If it's if it's turned over and it's cash, they get the value on the reverse. So it says three thousand, you got three thousand dollars. It's four thousand and seven thousand. You can either keep that money or keep or uh, risk it and continue playing. Uh, they can choose to continue and select another card. If that contestant turns over all four cards to reveal all four cash amounts. They win $10,000 in the car. This process continues until the contestant here quits. You know, like, I got $6,000. I'm just going to walk away because I don't know. Or if they turn all over all the money and all the cards are turned over. Or if the unfortunate thing happens, they risk it and they reveal the pink slip that says car. In which case, the game ends and they lose everything. So, Gas Money premiered September 22nd, 2008, created by Roger Dobkowitz, although not debut until after his dismissal from the show at the end of Season 36. It was the first new game to debut during Drew Carey's tenure as host. Unsurprisingly, the game got its very first win on the day it premiered. From September, from September 22nd, 2008 onwards, the contestants selected the price they believe is the price of the car, and the card is separated from the others. 
Since January 26, 2010, the contestant must save the price they believe is the price of the car for the very last. On October 19, 2010, that rule is eliminated when a monitor for the amount of money the contestant was won was added. Also, cards now have rounded corners and add a silver gray board around it. Uh, and changed from Universe Condensed to OCRA. Okay, whatever. Uh, on December 31st, 2013, Price is Right's Best of 2013, history is made when the contestant won an Audi R8 Spider worth $157,300 along with $10,000 in cash and $3,045 prize shoes won on the one bid. That made her the biggest daytime winner with $170,345, shattering the previous record by 23000 as of March 12, 2014, the car is parked facing the prop, similar to pass the buck, instead of facing door three. Gas money has been officially won, as in the $10,000 in the car, 15 times. The most recent win happened February 26, 2020. Gas money had a wipeout 34 times, which means you pick the pink slip, the price of the car first. Most recent happened October 31st, 2019. First time that happened March 6, 2009. Gas Money had a painful loss 12 times after picking the pink slip to the car on the fourth pick. The most recent painful loss was September 26, 2017. First time this ever happened was October 16, 2008. Gas Money has been played for a truck four times. I don't care. And of all four times it's been played, they were all lost. So there's a truck curse on Gas Money. There are three episodes where a contestant won his or her showcase despite a wipeout on their pricing game. On October 9, 2017, it was played for a Maserati and Dream Car Week, and the cash amounts were multiplied by 5, meaning 5000 10000 15000 and $20,000. The contestant decided to walk away with $35,000. On December 7, 2018, Rosalina Diaz was the 100th contestant to pick the price of the car. For every correct choice, a bell sounds similar to that heard on a car pulls up when a gas pump is heard. As of Money Game and Pass the Buck, when the vehicle offer is other than the car, the silhouette type of vehicle print changes appropriately, such as a van, a truck, etc. This game is very similar in concept to Pass the Buck, Danger Price, and Grand Game. And this is kind of where I get to play. Because, you see, this is just basically like that five price tag game we talked about. You know, where you pick the prize and then... But, so it's like five price tags, but an unwritten rule is that the prices of all the prizes end in zero or five, except in the rare case that zero five is not one of the provided choices. So you either end up five or you end up zero. Like Magic Number, Rat Racer, Lamb of Mortal S, Gas Money has never been the first pressing game to start a show because the game's component needs time to start up, aka the television. The game can be no earlier than second on the show. The most number of times the game was any let's play in a season was 19. Not only was this the first pricing game ever for Drew Carey to, de- to play with, it was the last pricing game to premiere in the 2000s. That's right. The first Drew game, and we're closing the book on the 2000s with this game. Strange. I feel we're in the year 2020 right now. We're in the 2020s. Technically, I think we're in that, right? And we, it's not like the millennium where you say, well, it's actually 2001. 2020, we are in the 2020s right now. We're in a new decade. And to me, Gas Money was like the one of the best pricing games of the, of the 2000s. Because to me, I like to flip it on, on its switch slightly. I like to think of it the same way I think of Joker's Wild and Tic-Tac-Doe. And a lot of Barry Ingwright pricing games. That's right. I'm actually bringing a different game show into Price is Right. Why? 
because the way I look at this game is if you get $10,000, you get the car. The way to get that money, what is not the price of the car? That's it. So for every correct decision, the money goes up and the stakes get higher. Do you want to walk away or do you want to keep playing? Much like tic-tac-toe, much like the Joker's Wild, only instead of luck, it's pricing game based. It still works. Because at the very least, $1,000, you want to stop and walk away or keep going? Oh, you found the $2,000. That makes you $3,000. You want $3,000? Stop and walk away. You found the $3,000. This is $6,000. This is the final chance. You can walk away or keep playing. You found the $4,000. That's $10,000. You won the car. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I'm weird. Anyway, the price is right. Has a very innovative game with gas money because it's played for cash and it's played for the car. And it's like a reverse five prices. You're supposed to not pick the price. So pick the least expensive because you know that car is very expensive. Or pick the one that you like, hey, this is a Ford Must. This is like a, uh, a economy class car. No way this is 40 grand. Things like that will help you out. And also, don't forget you have the audience to scream at you. And you can point at the price tags and they'll go, yeah, no, yeah, no. And that always works. The audience has your back on this game. And to me, that's why I enjoy Gas Money so much. As we close the book on the Bob Barker era of The Price is Right, introduce the era of Drew Carey, and we're closing the book on the 2000s. Next time on The Price Game Spotlight, we're in the 2010s. We're going to party rock our way through the 2010s with the next pricing game, my actual favorite pricing game i'm not even kidding it's my favorite one i will be rambling for 10 minutes for on this rat race everybody and welcome to game shows i suppose the solo sessions jordan haas here uh so past midnight i've been doing so much content over like the last few days that time is just flowing by and i'm losing track of time but this is one of the greatest game shows of all time this is countdown most people in America have never fucking heard of Countdown unless they have seen the 8 out of 10 cats, Cats Down versions of Countdown. Why? Because snarky, snarky, funny, funny, haha, they say poop, poop, fart, fart, penis, Steve. But to me, Countdown is television history in its own right. When Channel 4 first started in the 1980s, that was the first show that they ever launched on Channel 4 calendar countdown based on the new series calendar and their new game show was called countdown why because there was a ticking clock and they had to go do either a spelling game or a numbers game while under intense pressure it's a game that was based off a french game show that i i can't understand french but it basically translates to letters and numbers because the only games in the show are letter games and number games 
Now, in various forms, there's an Australian version, there's a French version. There was a pilot for America, and it never went well. Uh, Countdown is essentially an actual game of spelling. Everyone kind of assumes uh, that, that Wheel of Fortune, the game where you have to spin a wheel and call a letter, is a game of spelling. And, I mean, they're not wrong. You have to kind of deduct what the puzzle is and then spell out crossing a yellow brick road, for instance. But uh, in, instead, this is an actual game that's kind of like if you were really good at Scrabble or really good at math, this would be the show for you. Because that's all you need to do is be good at math or really good at spelling. So, if you've never seen Countdown before, please watch it. It's very boring, but it's very fun. This might be the most dull game show I can ever explain to you. And I apologize because it is. It really is a dry game show. It's not trivia. There is no cash prizes. I can't go, and they win $5,000. They they don't. They win a they win a teapot. The grand prize on countdown is a teapot. As in like to serve tea. This is a British game show. In the French version, you can win a few hundred like a few hundred euro. <laughs> Yay. But uh countdown as in the British version? No. Now, countdown is a very fun game. Uh, if you've never seen Countdown, and you most likely haven't, uh, it's a game of letters and numbers. I just brought that up. It's broken up into two parts, letters games and numbers games. The first part is letters games. So there is nine slots, and you're basically building a, a big Scrabble tile set for both players. It's a two-player game, a 1v1. It could also be a team game in some cases, but mostly it's a 1v1 challenge. And the idea is you have to create the longest word using the nine letters provided. The letters will be at your disposal, but it'll be chosen randomly through luck. So you can choose either a consonant or a vowel. So much like Wheel of Fortune, A-E-I-O-U are in the vowels section and everything else is in the consonants. So you get to come up with the tile chain. So you can say a consonant, B, a consonant, D, a consonant, R, a vowel, A, another, E, another, E, a consonant, uh, X, a consonant, Z, and a vowel, U. All right, you have 30 seconds to come up with the longest word of those nine letters starting now. And then the ticking clock starts, and you're going to see people write down words like final Jeopardy on Jeopardy. And as they are writing down as many words as they can, trying to come up with the longest word, trying to figure out, like, a, this is, we should start with a B, should we start with a D, should we start with the R? The time is ticking. Do, 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 do.
and time is up pencils down then in a head-to-head battle they got to basically say how many letters their most biggest the biggest word that they can see is in the in a legal dictionary is so you'll hear four you'll hear five most likely because that's average of a nine-letter word maybe you'll hear six seven a risky eight or a nine and if it's the highest like it's a five four or a six four or a seven five whoever had the longest word wins the round and takes home the amount of points associated with the amount of letters in the word so for instance you pick the seven letter word and it's legally in the dictionary versus the five letter word that's also legally in the dictionary the seven word beats the five word therefore seven wins and you get seven points The dictionary corner serves as the adjudicator for the words round, which serves with one person in the dictionary corner uh, to serve as basically like a a linguist, basically someone who really understands words, word origins, and histories. And they're always paired with an expert in some field. Uh, Because this is countdown, and as you can guess, it's very cheap, you got to assume it's very regal kind of guests so sometimes you get a stand-up comedian and they do a bit sometimes you get a musician and they'll play a little song but most of the time it's kind of like your typical pbs expert like someone who's an expert in cooking or gardening or ancient history and sometimes during the show we get to have to take a quick look to dictionary corner and we get to meet something with today's guest and yes It's such a boring, boring, boring section because it's mostly someone talking about their life, but it's always like a really boring Jeopardy anecdote. Those in America know that Jeopardy stories are very boring. Now imagine that, but with the expert that we're supposed to be engaging to. So you'll be hearing like, oh, so like I went to a trip. I went on on a holiday over to uh, Aruba. Aruba is a beautiful place, and I went to. There was in in the ho- in the hotel. There was a banquet, and in the banquet there was sausages and bacon, and I got to eat the bacon. And then over beside me, you wouldn't believe it, but it was f- Nick Clegg was was over there. And I went, Nick Clegg, can't believe you're there. I mean, I'm not really into politics, but you're here. And then Nick Clegg, with with his mouth full of French toast, goes, which I think he meant uh, that I am no longer allowed in the country or something. Oh, that's very jolly good. Anyway, it's the letters game. It's your play in the board. And they keep going from there. So then we repeat the letters game, but this time the second player, player two, gets to have control of the constant, constant, vowel, vowel, vowel. Carol, can I have a vowel, please? Can I have a constant, please? Or in this case, it's, you know, Rachel Riley. Uh, The the trio of current countdown is Rachel Riley, uh, Susie Dent, and uh, originally uh, Carol Volderman, but... She was the original. Basically, she was like the original Vanna White, the original Letter Turner. Uh, It was very good at uh, doing math in her head. Uh, And uh, now it's Nick Hewer. 
as the the host of Countdown. Originally, it was Richard Whiteley, a chipper old newsreader man. He's like, oh, okay, great, 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 fantastic, good, 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 a four-letter word, good, that's fantastic, good. Rachel, is that good? That's good, okay, fantastic. Um, and now it's Nick Hewer. Nick Hewer was someone who was originally on BBC's The Apprentice as one of those uh, uh, sidekick people. They would be the eyes and ears of the boss. So it's kind of weird to say like he's hosting a words and maths game show. It's kind of like uh, it's hard to put into words like an American counterpart. Um. I guess you got to assume like George Ross, who his first season apprentice would be the like host of this. But I think he's 92 right now. Uh, anyway, uh, it basically is a, it's strange. It's kind of like it's, it's the, it's countdown, but modern, but kind of in a static area where it feels like it's much like in the Wheel of Fortune effect, only catering to old people. It's not really catering to young people. Now, maybe that was always the case for game shows, but this one, not so much. Countdown, to me, has always been one of those fascinating games because it is a quick game you can play at home and a quick game you can play if you're ever bored. And I think that's why the show works uh easily anyway uh so with the letters game whoever has the longest word wins in the event of a tie a five five they each get five points and if they give the same word i said uh stairs and they said stairs they have to look at each other's paper and then go yep i can confirm they they had stairs written down fair and square then we go back to uh, Susie Dent in the dictionary corner. Hey, Susie, what's the longest word they could have? And they were playing along tuba with a dictionary and now a computer. And they can say like, oh, we had like a star starlight or something. And it's like, wow, that could have been a perfect score or something. And it's like, wow, that's that's amazing. Anyway, we can do another num numbers game or another letters game. And now we get to the math section because letters is just that. Just rinse, repeat, get the longest nine-letter word using a mixture of consonants and vowels chosen at random by the player. That's it. That's the game. You can play along with Scrabble tiles. Just dump the whole Scrabble floor face down and then pick any random nine and then throw a 30-second boggle clock down and, and call it a day. And uh, the numbers game, that is where it's something that is also ultra rare. Because, well, the letters game was promoting great spelling, great wordplay, figuring out letters and where they're placed at a very quick notice. The numbers game is something even more rare in the world of game shows. Math. Americans hate math. We don't want to do math. We don't want to subtract. We don't want to multiply and divide. That's like a $2,000 question on Millionaire. What's six times seven? That's not like a $100 question. And that go and it's kind of just a, a fascinating world of math. Now, I love math. I can do math in my head, which means this is more fucked up because I have to show my work. But uh, to, to do the numbers game, there are 24 cards. One through 10 
doubled. So two ones, two twos, two threes, two fours, two fives, two six, two sevens, two eights, two nines, two tens, all shuffle up face down. There are four big numbers, and they call it big numbers. 125, 150, 175, and 100. And that's also face down, but they're in a separate group called big numbers. The contestant basically says how many big numbers they like. I want two big numbers. I want one big number. I want no big numbers. I want all four. I, and that will determine the amount of big numbers they get. And then, of course, the number of small numbers, which is also chosen at random. So then you'll see some variant of six and only six numbers. So you'll see 25, 50, 4, 6, 9, and 9. And you'll have a target number. And that target number is, and it's always a three-digit number. Sometimes it's 001, or sometimes it's 055, or sometimes it's 986. But it's always a three-digit number. And the contestants have, you guessed it, the same clock to figure out how to add, subtract, multiply, divide to get to that number. They don't have to use every tile, per se. They just have to figure out a way to get to the number using the numbers provided. So for instance, nine times nine is 81. So now you've used two tiles, but now you gained an 81. 81 times 25, and then you get into a bigger four digit code. But then you divide that by, and that's how you get to your, your numbers game. Yes, it's math. Yes, it's in 30 seconds. And yes, you hear the same theme song. If they can get exactly on that number in any combination, they all get 10 points. If neither can get exactly to 10 points, whoever's closest to that target number will get either 7 points if it's 1, 2, 3, 4, or anything even 5 away. And if it's 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 away, they get 5 points. If they screw up their calculation, it's flawed, or they're 11 or 20 or whatever away, uh, they don't get any points. Uh, so they should probably write it down, which is also very, very tough. But I gotta tell you, this is my favorite part of Countdown. Because I gotta remind people, this is doing math equations very quickly to win a game show. Now, there's no giant cash prize. You're not winning hundreds of thousands of dollars here. You're not winning a car. You're just winning a teapot. But at the same time, this show is trying to gain points by doing math equations. And you don't get that on any other game show, at least in America, because we hate math. Now, in other game shows in the UK, they love math because easy questions to write for, and it's easy, quote-unquote, brain puzzles to solve. But on Countdown, that's an everyday occurrence. You have to do math. And especially, which I should point out, was the purpose of every single letter grabber in, in Countdown. So Carol Volderman and Susie Dent both are experts 
as in like really, really smart in math. And they can do it in their head. In fact, they get to do the solving of the math problem on the show. Why? Because they're really good and they know how to write it down. So they're more than just a pretty face. They're also very smart as well, which to me is also exciting. To me, that's what I love also about Countdown is the assumption of the show is the person at the desk is the game show host, opa-dopa-dopa-do, and then the person dictionary corner, adjudicator, and then the letter turner person, you know, that's the lady in the cocktail dress, smile, smile, smile. But on most of the game shows, they kind of the treat the co-host like crap. They treat them like 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 just like, look how sexy they are, right, guys, fellas? How about that? Look at the look at her and her dress, fantastic. But on this show. And I think this is what makes Countdown very, even though it's very conservative and very old-fashioned, it's very progressive in the way that they present the Dictionary Corner and the the co-host, uh, Susie Den. So Rachel and, and Susie are both treated as equals to the main host. The main host kind of is just sitting in the background with nothing to do, and the two women are kind of the ones actually running the show and saying, like, look how smart we are with letters and look how smart we are with numbers. And that is a fantastic image to have, even though the show's been on since the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. To me, I, I kind of see this in a set of modern education eyes because when when I look at, at, at Susie and I see Rachel, I, I, I'm not really going like, ooh, ah, uh, models. I'm looking at them as kind of the hosts of the show, and they're kind of on the side of the contestants as well. And, oh, tough luck. If you would have said this eight-letter word, you would have gotten the most points. Oh, if you would have done 25 minus 6, you would have gotten 19, which you can multiply that by the 10 to get 190. That would have been a lot easier for you. Uh to me, that's kind of what the show is in a nutshell, because for American game shows, the models used to not talk or they would be ditzy and we would just be like, look at the dumb idiots. They're not seen as ditzy models. They're seen as co-hosts of equal stature and of authority who have intelligence. And in this modern viewpoint I have of education, especially in things like STEM you know, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. We're too focused on, like, making sure our kids are focused on that now because that's the future of jobs and, and where most everything is heading. But at the same time, it's such a, a weird guy's game, if that makes sense. Like, it's very male-dominated industry, not because men are superior to women in the field, but because I believe it's mostly because... The way it was marketed was the same way video games were back in the day, where it's just, hey, boys, go play some manly video games on the PC. Now get an engineering degree and man up and work in the field of making automobiles. Hell yeah. And to see, like, two very strong, powerful women uh, demonstrate their intelligence on a daily basis can actually do some real influential work to children who might be watching the show for the first time, who might be four, five, six years old, watching the show and maybe learning math for the first time. Or maybe they're at their grandma's house, because this is Countdown, and um, 
they're in the middle of like they're they're nine, ten, eleven years old, and they're playing along with the show because now they kind of have a more developed mind for spelling, and they're playing the game at home and they're coming up with six letter words or seven letter words, and they're looking and like, hey, wait a minute, I'm good at spelling, I'm good at figuring out words. Oh wow, I love learning about word origins. I love figuring this out, and that could spark them learning about the history of words and becoming a linguist going into creative writing, for instance, and create the next form of arts entertainment so we no longer have to say J.K. Rowling. And for 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 Rachel, Rachel Riley, and, and back in the day, because I remember Carol Volderman, a lot of women would look at Carol in, in nowadays Rachel, and they would kind of go with, wow, wait a minute, if she can do it, like any woman can do it, this is... This is fantastic. This is going to invite a lot more women into the field of math and science. And strangely enough, I, I'm led to believe it did. And they are a positive influence on not just television, but in our kids as well. Because to me, I, I could say, hey, if if Rachel Riley uh, is this great lady who, who is very vibrant, a fun personality, and she can do math in her head... Well, maybe that will make the next generation of kids go, well, I want to learn about math because she's excited about this as much as Susie is with the words. So maybe I can learn about both. This is great. I can go to the library and read about books and history, and I then I can go study and learn about fractions, for instance. It's by no means like Bill Nye the science guy. It's not like, let's learn the fun way to do math and the fun way to do grammar. But it is a interesting way to handle spelling and math because this is two games where you can replay it over and over again with different turnouts, with different players, and different answers and solutions. It's such an easy game. And I mean that not because I'm the best at Countdown. Let me tell you, I can solve every puzzle. No, I mean easy because on a production standpoint... You don't have to really write much. Everything is on the turn of a card. Everything is based on three-digit numbers. And solutions verify based on the letters and the numbers. So there really is no, like, we need to verify that uh, this is the correct answer. We need verification that this was the, the correct survey. No, on this show, it really is just like, is this legally allowed in the dictionary? Is this a legal nine-letter word? Yes, it counts. It, can this legal? Can this be obtained? Sometimes, no. But they can show you how that you can get very close to it, for instance, and that's also very exciting because while the show is always trying to tell you go for the most, go for the ten, go for the go for the guy, go for the exact answer, go for the nine-letter word. This is also a show that also, in, in a weird way says that it's okay to not be perfect. This show is not about achieving perfection. This show is about just getting close enough. Uh, that I think like that's also something that's very missing in a lot of game shows. If you think about most game shows, it is, at least especially nowadays, especially quiz shows, you, you can't miss, make a mistake. If you make one mistake, the game is over. One mistake in the in you're out of the show. Well, in Countdown, 
you don't have to try for perfection. As long as you can beat the other guy and it's like a five-letter word beats a four-letter word, you still technically got five points. And even then, if you were the four-letter word guy, oh, well, there's still going to be another letters game. There's still going to be a numbers game. There's still lots of ways to get points because it almost presents itself like a sport, like a sport of spelling and a sport of maths. Because it goes back and forth. The scoring is really unpredictable. Sometimes, yes, it's like a dead, it's like, it's just going to be a, a, a runaway game and it's like 36 to nothing. Or it's going to be like, it's it's 27 to 4. And you're just like, well, this is kind of busy, I guess. Let's go to Dictionary Corner and learn another fascinating story. Okay, so as you know, I like to write memoirs, and I have a book about memoirs coming soon, Simon & Schuster Publishing. So in my memoir book, um, I went to Canada, and uh, I went to some trees to make maple syrup once, and the sap got all over my hand, and it was very sticky, and um, I, I tried to... Uh, I got a, I got My phone was on vibrate. It was my wife, and she was calling me up, and uh, I accidentally put my hand in my pocket to pick up the phone. And, yeah, as you guessed it, the, the, the sap got all over the phone, got very sticky. I couldn't answer it. And worse enough, my phone didn't stuck to my hand for the rest of the day. Uh, it was really bad because then it got stuck in the phone. So I had to get a new replacement one. But uh, it, was, it was lots of fun. My wife had a good laugh about it. And it was all fun. Great. Well, anyway, it's time for the numbers game, and uh, it's now your turn to pick the the big numbers. <laughs> um, yeah, as you can tell, I really just think the dictionary corner is boring. Uh, so, um, as it goes back and forth, depending on the amount of time the show has, you might see it be two letter games, number game, two letter games, numbers game, letter game, number game, letter game, number game. And then we go straight to the grand finale of the show, the countdown conundrum. This is a game where it's basically here is a nine-letter word that's an anagram. Buzz in when you think you know what the anagram is. They show it, and you play that same song yet again. But, of course, it can stop in the middle of it because you buzzed in to say the correct answer, which I think is a very important part of the show because this is like the big winner-take-all final round. If it's down, if it's between 10 points, it's a crucial countdown conundrum, and therefore it is actually for the game. Otherwise, it's just played for laughs, and that's fun too. Whoever wins the game takes home the countdown teapot. The runner-up, thanks for playing. That person is a returning champion and returns tomorrow to continue playing the countdown. What makes countdown exciting is the idea of you can be a returning champion up to eight times. To win eight games is to make you an octo champ. Octo champs are rare to come by, but they're very crucial to the later half of a countdown series where they start doing the tournament of champions like a game show would. You know, the big tournament of champions who's the big winner and when they get to the grand finale with the Octochamps tournament, the grand prize is usually just, you know, a dictionary.
maybe maybe a encyclopedia set or glass bowl or another tea kettle i don't know it's not really a cash prize it's not really trips and vacations it's still even if you win the grand tournament you still get like a trophy like that's about it uh one of the most important things about countdown is that because it's such an easy repetitive format to play over and over again the show has a guinness world record this is the game show as the longest running game show in the entire world uh as of 2014 uh it had 6,000 episodes of its show now, of course, some people say that's, you know, Price is Right or Wheel of Fortune. Uh, lots of battles take place on what's the longest running game show on television. I like to think of it as Countdown, but hey, you know, to each their own. Anyway. So Countdown became a part of television culture because of its crafty ability to understand spelling and math and anagrams. And because it's such an easygoing format, of course, there were board game adaptations. You just have to get tiles and you call it a day. Uh, there's also been PC game ports and, and DS games and more versions of, of Countdown. It's an iconic British game show uh, right up there with Mastermind, if not more so than Mastermind. And has become the the show that has been made fun of very frequently on British skit shows. For instance, the one I can always uh, chalk back to is the IT crowd because um, that's the one where Moss is uh, on countdown and is a, says like, all the, the, there's that big weird nine-letter scrambled word and says, Titaniba, that's the word, Titaniba. It's already spelled out for you and now is technically a real word. It's not, but go with it. And so there's like an underground countdown league. And I thought, okay, that's very silly. That's like, because that's the nerdy show, Countdown. And this is a spelling show. What? That's silly. Anyway, uh, I, I like IT Crowd's uh, parody of it. And I love it because it's like a fun little game show twist. And to me, that's kind of where I go with, with, with Countdown. And I... That's why I like the show. I that the it celebrates spelling, it celebrates math. Uh, fantastic co-hosts. It's a like a one of a kind format. You don't. Yes, you're not really playing for like a grand prize. You're not playing for a hundred pounds. You're not playing for a tea's made. You're playing for a ceramic tea kettle that says "Countdown Winner." That's it. But still, very very fun. So now I got to talk about the, the one everyone knows in America, the 8 out of 10 cats, cats down. Why? Because apparently that's the format everyone else knows. So in this exciting format, of, based on the popular panel game show 8 out of 10 cats about surveys and statistics, it's played with pairs of contestants. Typically just like the panel game show, like Sean Locke is on one side... And then on the other side, it's John Richardson. And then they get, like, other people to stop by. And then they play the exact same game. But because it's Cat's Down, we're going to make it irrelevant. Ooh, we're going to make it silly. We're going to have it so, like, the letters are upside down. Or we put numbers. Wouldn't that be wacky? We have silly costumes. 
we're gonna just make it all vowels because silly silly hilarious and instead of Nikur, it's Jimmy Carr from our Big Fat Quiz of the Year, Distraction, and Your Face or Mine, and has everyone's favorite laugh. Ho, 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 ho. Anyway, uh, in this exciting version, it's a celebrity show where they don't take it really seriously, yet they still play the game like a panel show. Well, look at that. Instead of winning the tea kettle which was only in the first episode, they went miscellaneous countdown items uh, modeled by attractive male models because male models are funny. So who wins the countdown uh, gingerbread house? Who wins the countdown umbrella set? Who wins the countdown suntan uh, bed? And more. That's the fun prizes. Anyway, usually this is made with sexual innuendo featuring like cock and penis and tits and other raunchy things. When they do a tea time teaser, it's going to be met with hilarious repercussions because like it's a silly word and then it's really something that's actually pretty safe. Ha ha ha. Uh, I find these not offensive. Because I think offensive is the wrong word. I find it just um, annoying. Like annoying, if that makes sense. It's kind of like a... Um, like, it kind of reminds me of a good chunk of game show fandom. And I'm not going to try to do a call-out post. But it's the, we don't take this seriously, so we're just going to put penis, 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 and hope that sells well. And that's a good chunk of like half of gameplays uh, I see of any game show out there is penis, penis, penis. Get it? It says penis. You, that would never be on regular network televisions is penis. But but the catch is that while the online groups would do penis, 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 it's an internet thing. Whereas on Cats Down, it's actual network television. Penis, penis, penis. And uh, to me, that's just kind of just like, it, it's not like, to me, it's like the joke wears itself thin after like 45 minutes. And that's where I kind of just don't really like Countdown when it gets to that point. But all my friends love Cats Down when that happens because, oh man, they don't take themselves seriously and it's so funny in the comedy, comedy, comedy. To which point I say, just watch fucking stand-up comedy. They're really just retelling the same fucking jokes. I'm not fucking kidding you. Sean Locke told the same joke on a stand-up special. He did on Cat's Down. Catherine Ryan said the same fucking joke on her stand-up special. Nothing new is being like presented other than a funny joke where during the fun countdown, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, Jimmy Carr's doing a funny distraction like on You Don't Know Jack where maybe he's baking a cake. And then, like, as it cuts away to the contestants, surprise, it's actually well-decorated, and he's a fantastic baker. Hilarious. And that's, like, the joke. Here he is doing a magic trick. Here he is uh, doing acrobatics. Here he is uh, doing some step dancing. It's always, like, the same fucking... Look how silly the show is. The only thing that I kind of like 
in Cats Down is because they don't take itself that seriously, they throw points like randomly. So it's like, okay, we're doubling the points this round. Oh, this is the extreme round where you can't uh, use pieces of paper. It has to be from your head. Or, oh, this is the round where we have to do a question. If you get it right, you get points. And that's, to me, that's kind of funny and silly, but it just shows like, how they don't really give a shit about the countdown aspect. They just want to do a here's celebrities doing something silly uh, aspect. Uh, which brings me to the last part. Should countdown ever be made to the States? I have advocated for that when I was a kid because I loved countdown. Modern day, I don't see it ever coming to the States because... I think Americans will think this is too cerebral and I'm too stupid to do math and others will just see it as Scrabble ripoff or Wheel of Fortune ripoff that it would never work. Even though I love this more than Lingo, I love this more than a lot of game shows. So if I was to do a uh, version of the show, uh, first I would have to make it 10 letters, not nine. Why 10? Because then you can have 10 letter words and that makes it even bigger and longer and ha ha ha. I said bigger and longer. Anyway, uh, you get 10 letters because for each letter you get $100. So you can get $1,000 uh, plus a $1,000 bonus for getting a perfect, bringing the total to $2,000. The letters round, the numbers round still plays... Um, with the 1,000, but this time it's a hundred for each number you're off by. So 900, 800, 700, 600, 500. Uh, countdown conundrums will be worth the same thousand. And you rinse repeat enough to do exactly 10 rounds of play. So two letters, numbers, two letters, numbers, two letters, numbers. That final numbers game is played with whoever's trailing behind uh, as a way to try and come from behind in a numbers game. So then we get that 10th game. Hey, someone can win. Uh, if you're doing your math correctly, that means $5,000, $5,000, $5,000, and $1,000. The grand prize is $16,000, which is very cheap when you consider that no one will ever be perfect in the show, they don't appreciate perfection. In this game show, they really just care about just, hey, you got four letters, that's 400 bucks. Bing. Hey, that's six letter word, that's 600 bucks, that brings it to $1,000. That's the show. Very cheap. I want the show to be cheap. So it's a four-act structure. When it gets to the countdown conundrum, though, even though it's played for $1,000, we understand that it might not make the end of the show, so you throw in a bonus prize at the end, too. A bonus prize. Why? Because it's always fun to throw prizes in. What do points make? I, I realize I don't have an audience. So, uh, for instance, if you make a 10-letter word in, in Countdown, you get the, two you get the $1,000 plus the $1,000 bonus, bringing it to 2000 But at the same time, the first person might get a bonus prize like a car or something, while whoever has the most money at the end of the show 
uh, not only uh, gets to keep the cash because they both get to keep their cash, but they also walk away with like a vacation, like a small trip, like Palm Springs. We're going. We're not going. We're going very domestic. We're going to go like Santa Barbara. We're going to go with like Texas. We're going to go Phoenix. We're not going to go far. We're going to go with like less than three thousand dollars. Why is that? Because I think the prize, the the gimmick should be the prizes change every episode, and the returning champion, yes, they get to keep their cash in return, and they get to win a new prize every episode. There, and it's not like in eight times and you're done. No, they get to keep playing. They could be on for fourteen days, twenty days, twenty two days, thirty two days. It doesn't matter, uh, because every day they get cash and it builds up. But they also get a prize attached to it as well. So, hey, this time you won yourself this trip. This time you won yourself a laptop computer. This time around you won yourself a HDTV. You won yourself uh, groceries for a year. It's always going to be one small prize. It has. It, you got to think one bid from prices right quality. Like we're going about three thousand dollars or less. We're not going for brand new car territory. Uh, why not? Because I want the brand new car to be, if you get a 10-letter word for the first time, you win the car. Or you have it be like a cash jackpot or something. You don't want to go for a car on Countdown. You want it to be just a small prize. You want this to be homely, is what I would like to say. Would I like to see this on a GSN? Yeah, but I don't think it'll last on GSN. It might work as a PBS show, but you got to understand you're throwing away uh, cash to contestants. And if I'm saying sixteen thousand is the grand prize, like that's the most money you can throw at this, plus a thing per day, it's going to take a lot of time to try and persuade people to throw that money out. So it's going to be rough. It's it's in my head. I'm kind of seeing just you know, two zeros at the side there and you have 10 rounds of play. And I want it to be kind of like the score is kind of like, oh, it's 2,400 to 700, for instance. It's not going to be that much money, I don't think. Um, but it's two letters rounds and then a numbers round. Two letter rounds, numbers round, two letter rounds, numbers round, countdown conundrum. That's how I would handle it. You still have a dictionary corner. You still have a, a math person. But I think for me, I would want whoever is in dictionary corner with whoever is our equivalent of Susie Dent uh, to be uh, basically a lively comedian of some kind. Someone who's basically there to lighten up the game because it's such a dull, very boring game. So this is where you would get the, hey, this is from so-and-so, the sitcom, and this is from so-and-so, the, the new movie coming up, and this is, and you just develop it from there. That's how I would do Countdown. Um, a cash prize and a, um, a guest. Now, alternatively, if you want to go even more cheaper, you can just remove the $100 per point and just go straight with, Whoever has the most points wins the prize, and they continue next week to get the next prize uh, format. I, I, that could also work. 
I also have thought about just making it points only. And the first to get nine-letter word wins a, a grand prize, a bonus prize. Wow, in- interesting. Uh, like a cash jackpot, for instance. But um, it's going to be boring, though, because it's countdown. I, it, you're not going to get the same kind of like energetic contestants again, like Press Your Luck or Wheel of Fortune. You're not here to hear like, all right, I want three vowels, six consonants. Give it to me. Yeah. Y and C and J. Yeah. Woo. You're not going to, you're not going to get that. So for countdown, I think it needs to be more like Jeopardy. It needs to feel like the sister show to Jeopardy that Wheel of Fortune couldn't really get, but still being lively enough that it differs a lot from the UK version but not in a uh, over-the-top Americanized version. I would want it to be presented more like um, more like lingo, now that I think about it. I keep bringing up lingo. I think it has to be sor- sort of like a lingo show. Where, yeah, it's words, and you got the words. And 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. That's 90 seconds. So you feel about four or five minutes per act, and you'll be done within a half hour. That's the aim. I don't want to go for the full hour. If I did, I would have to just reformat everything, and that feels like a pain in the ass for me. Uh, So in conclusion, as I am dozing off to sleep, Countdown is a very fun format, very great format. A game where as long as you have a pencil and pen, you can play along with the game at home. It doesn't matter if you're not good. It's it's as long as you can play with the tea time teasers that you get interested and somewhat like enjoying the show as well. Not a lot of game shows really have playability. Not a lot of game shows encourage you to play along, but Countdown pretty much demands you do if you want to have any sort of substance with the show. And additionally, I just want to keep reminding you the importance of spelling and the importance of math in this game as well makes this a must-watch show to me. Yes, you can watch Pee Pee Poo Poo, uh, Eight Ten Cats Countdown, but to me, I still watch the dry version. Why? Because I'm kind of getting uh, a bit of facts. I'm learning about word origins. I'm learning about history of different countries. And I learn about math. So for me, it's like you're always learning something from the show. And that's what I like most about the show. And I I think if you watch the show, you might say, this is boring and dull. But at the same time, you might go, but at the same time, I've never seen a show like this before. And that's where I'm getting at. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you again next week.